Well, hello there, friends. Welcome to another edition of Syracuse Sports, presented by Krause Health, the exclusive healthcare provider for Syracuse Athletics. You got Brent Axe, you got Emily Liker, and we're going to Boca, baby. Who's excited? Who's excited? I am so excited. (laughs) Right here. You know, you just never know what these bowl games, where they're going to be, when they're going to be. Do we want to go to these places? And Syracuse is going to the Boca Raton Bowl. They're going to take on South Florida. It's Thursday, December 21st. And Emily is, she's beaming, Jerry. She's beaming. And I mean, we just couldn't have asked for better, for better circumstances for a bowl. And I'm not going to wait too long until we make this joke. Okay. For you Seinfeld fans out there, I don't do a very good Frank Costanza, but I'll try. We're going to be in the pool. We're going to be in the clubhouse. We're going to be all over that shuffleboard court. And I dare you to keep me out. Del Boca Vista, baby. So that is one thing that Emily and I are going to talk about tonight. Fran Brown has arrived in Syracuse, New York, and he hit the ground running. Uh, He's already recruiting right here in Syracuse, has a team meeting. And then tomorrow, the formal introduction, a 10 a.m. press conference, which, of course, we will be at and we will bring you full coverage on Syracuse.com and for our Syracuse Sports Insiders as well. It appears the Orange have a defensive coordinator, and uh, Emily and I wanted to uh, get it off our chest a little bit about the college football playoff and the farce that that was today. All right, so here we go. Let's start with Boca. Syracuse, of course, uh, through all this, Emily, we've been knee-deep in coaching searches and who the coordinators are going to be. Oh, yeah, by the way, they beat Wake Forest and qualified for a bowl game. And we learned today it is Boca Raton, Thursday, December 21st. It's an 8 p.m. kickoff. By the way, there's also a basketball game that night, the Greg Paulus Bowl, if you will, as Syracuse takes on Niagara at the Dome. South Florida is the opponent, a fellow 6-6 six and six opponent for Syracuse. I'm going to be very honest with you guys. I did not see one second of South Florida play this year, but I do know they're 6-6. Six and six. I do know you might be having a little deja vu as a Syracuse fan going back to the Big East days when the Orange took on South Florida regularly. And I do know that, now this was early in the season, and as Nick Saban would say, Emily, we were a different team then than the team that beat Georgia yesterday. But South Florida only lost to Bama 17-3 to for what it's worth earlier in the season. A prime bowl location. I've already heard from some of our insiders, Emily, that are booking tickets to Florida. They're excited. A little Christmas vacation down in Del Boca Vista. What do we know about this matchup? And uh, does it, it, I, This is not one we heard, by the way. We heard many other bowl matchups potentially for Syracuse. I don't think I ever heard Boca as a location, but I think we'll take it. No, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I did not know the Boca Raton Bowl existed until I saw a Brett McMurphy tweet at about, what, like 3.30? And I was like, there is no way. Like, like, Brett's a pretty reliable dude. And even still, I was like, this feels like a fever dream because the two things on my list for a bowl game had been, if they can get somewhere warm, let's do that. And if it's before Christmas, let's do that because it sucks having to, like, try to go home for Christmas and then come back and then cover the bowl game. Yeah. That's Both tough. of those things checked off. Um, it's not an ACC affiliate bowl, which is probably why we didn't hear it. I think it was kind of, I mean, as we're going to talk about the college playoff stuff later, like everyone kind of expected Florida State was going to be in that, which left enough room for all of the 11 plus Notre Dame qualified teams in the the ACC bowls. So when Florida State got booted down, took the Orange Bowl spot, that shifted everything. 
we saw like a two hour like backup on the ACC trying to figure out its bowl schedule um, and just figuring out which coach was going to get doused in mayo at the mayo bowl. I think that was <laughs> one of the big things. It's Mac Brown's the ACC potential coach there now. Um, so yeah, definitely unexpected, you know, it's not like the most renowned bowl ever, but like in ter- in terms of what Syracuse could be asking for at six and six, like I think you got to be satisfied. There's a lot of Syracuse fans that live down south, that live right. in Florida, that will be in Florida for the holidays or will make a holiday out of it, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what bowl games are. It's a destination. You want to go to this place and you got to sell tickets and it's not just the, from a football standpoint, it's the extra practices and everything you get with that. It's a status thing. You don't want to be one of those teams that didn't make a bowl game this year, but there were some other bowl games that were just kind of shoulder shrugs in terms of those things, destinations. Where do I want to go? Do I want to spend four or five days in this place and you know, nothing against El Paso or Annapolis or some other places that seemingly were on the radar, Birmingham, right? Yeah. I'll take, I'll take Boca. Right. That's a, mm-hmm. it's, you know, with middle of that's uh, actually like the first day of winter, but we know winter starts yeah. basically on Halloween in Syracuse. Right. So that'll be mm-hmm. a nice getaway. And as mentioned, there's a ton of Syracuse fans that live down there now. I'm already hearing from some of them and our Syracuse sports insiders. And there you have it. So that's what it shook out as uh, Jim Phillips having a rough day. As we mentioned with the Florida State thing, we'll get to. There was some tweets that they were trying to shake out who's going to what bowl game. And there were discussions about that. Uh, Syracuse it had been reported a couple hours ago. It was a Boca, and they just we just kind of waited for official confirmation, and it's there. So there you have it, friends. Now you know the bowl game. The big question, Emily, is who's going to coach Syracuse in that bowl game? I'd imagine we're going to find out the answer to that tomorrow when Fran Brown has his introductory formal press conference as the new Syracuse football head coach. And this is a different question now, Emily, because Georgia's out of the playoff. I had heard definitively that Fran Brown was going to ride it out if Georgia made the college football playoff, and why not? You're going for a third straight championship, one last hurrah, stick with your guys right through that, and that would be understandable. Now that Georgia's out of the playoff, does he put his focus on Syracuse? There's 17 days until the early signing period in recruiting, which is essentially signing day now. He's going to hit the ground running on the day the portal opens, tomorrow. December the 4th, we're speaking on Sunday night here. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to line up. I don't think he'll coach the bowl game, Emily. I would imagine Nunzio Campanelli, who by all indications is going to remain on this staff. They were standing side by side at the Dome tonight watching a a high school football playoff game. Shout out to our friend Tommy at CNY Central who got great video of that, right? So if I'm Fran Brown, do I kind of push my chips in the middle of the table and go go all in now, I think Kirby Smart would understand, particularly now that they're out of the playoff. Right. I think it'll probably kind of end up being a situation like we saw with the coordinators, with Syracuse's coordinators last year, where obviously they lost Tony White and Robert and I before the bowl game and then had to bring an interim um, or I mean, promoted Jason Beck and then had an interim in, in Nick Monroe. And so it'll probably be something like that where like Rocky was hired but Nick Monroe still coached, still did the defensive coordinator job for the bowl game where I I think Fran Brown will be around. And especially so now that the college football playoff isn't in the cards for Georgia, isn't happening for Georgia. Uh, But I I don't necessarily think they're just going to like, he's just going to completely take the reins. I mean, one of the big things you have to consider is like, he doesn't have an assistant 
staff in place yet, at least not an entire assistant staff in place and an assistant staff that the players have worked with and are comfortable with. So like, this is all like the very messy part of college football and bowl season and and when coaches leave and stuff. Um, And like you said at the beginning, I think we'll get a lot of clarity tomorrow what this looks like, but it's, it's not going to be like a black and white scenario. Like he's coaching it or he's not like, there's probably going to be some, some grayness to, okay, he's there, but Campanelli is going to be in charge of the playbook, whatever. Before we hear from some Syracuse sports insiders and the info is right there on your screen, but if you're just listening, uh, text the word orange to three, one, five, eight, four, seven, three, eight, nine, five. You become a Syracuse Sports Insider. It's a two-week free trial. After that, it's just $3.99 a month. It has been a whirlwind for our insiders here with the coaching search going on. Now we're tracking down coaches, basketball opinions, thoughts during Syracuse's game against LSU earlier this week, against Virginia on Saturday, and just my opinions first. You get direct access to me. Guys, this is not a group chat, although that might be fun sometimes. It's direct to me. I text you. You text me. I'm going to ask one, maybe two of your questions at the Fran Brown press conference on Monday. I've been getting your opinions on the college football playoff. Uh, Emily and I both have a Heisman vote that we have to submit by five o'clock on Monday. I submitted mine. Oh, I it's in. Mine. Shh, don't tell anybody. Can't talk about it yet. <laughs> Can't talk about it. I will say the person I'm going to vote for plays for a, a, a mascot that either barks, quacks, or roars. And I'll <laughs> leave it at that. That's my top three in some order. So you guys have been helping us out with that, shaping our coverage, asking the questions that have led us down these roads here. So become a Syracuse Sports Insider today, and uh, I want to hear from some of the insiders, Emily. After that, we'll discuss who we think Syracuse is selected as their defensive coordinator, who I'm hearing could be their offensive coordinator, and then we'll get some playoff thoughts in there and the arrival of Fran Brown into Syracuse today and a couple other nuggets on that. But to the insiders we go They've been hot and heavy all weekend long, and here's what they've been saying. Just on bowl games, just on Fran Brown's coordinators, things that have been happening today. They're pretty excited about the the Boca Bowl. I'm seeing Ed here. He's already got his plane tickets booked. He's ready to go. Our friend Jeff from Twitter hops in to say, Brent, between a great bowl destination, the new coach's arrival, and an outstanding defensive coordinator hire, this feels like one of the biggest days in a long time for Syracuse football, and he notes he's pretty pumped about that. Okay. Boca loves the Qs, John says. Uh, let's see. I'm just, I'm just going through these in real time here, guys. Uh, now we're going to get to the, the playoff thing here. We had a couple, a lot of you chime in on the playoff before and after uh, the pairings were put out. Vern saying Florida State being left out is a travesty. Politics have taken over the process. Sports are supposed to be immune to entitlements given to the powerful. Not true today when an undefeated team is passed over for a less qualified and deserving candidate, all because of an injury to one of its players. Emily, we just kind of talked about this. A lot of you have been asking if Fran now is going to coach the bowl game, and we're going to find that out for sure tomorrow. And that was a big question before the playoff pairings got out today. It's an even big and qu- bigger question now, uh, now that we know the four teams that are in the playoff and Georgia is not one of them. This is from uh, MDB, who says, would be great irony in the last year of four teams that the league 
the SEC, who insist an expansion wasn't needed because they felt like they always had an auto bid, would be left out. Uh, rest assured, they were not. His Pama made it in. Kind of ironic like, they made it in with ESPN's affiliation SEC... coming up with the SEC, right, Emily? Yeah. I also don't think the SEC was against expansion. I don't think that's an accurate statement. <laughs> you know what? At least this is as, as fun as this was. Like, sometimes this conversation, it's good content. It's good for us. It's good to write about. It's good to talk about. I, I thought it was just complete nonsense. And at least with the expansion coming, this is all going to be a moot point, right? They went out with a bang, for sure, as we will get into. Uh, Al disagrees, saying Texas had a weak schedule. Uh, let's see. Just because they beat Bama nine weeks ago should not matter, given the difference in schedules. We all know the Big 12 can't play defense and are always overrated. No, it does matter. What happens on the field needs to matter. The, 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 these things don't expire. They beat Bama, period. End of story. I don't care what uh, Nick Saban said about we're not the same team we were. Well, they're on the schedule, and it matters. A lot of Heisman picks in here from you guys. Uh, Samir says four best teams, Georgia, Florida State, Washington, Texas. His Heisman picks are Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, who still made it into the mix, and uh, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. Uh, let me get a couple more here, Emily, before we get into some Fran Brown stuff and some things that have been happening today on the coordinator front. Yeah. A lot of you guys were asking about uh, Elijah Robinson as Gary text in to say, what a Sunday Boca Elijah Robinson in the same afternoon. My goodness acts dear recruits and portal guys spots are limited and the train is leaving the station. Very good. A lot of good questions from you guys solicited for Fran Brown tomorrow. I'm going to have a very hard time tonight, Emily, sorting through him and picking one or two that I'll get to ask at the presser tomorrow. But rest assured, your questions will be asked, guys. Become a Syracuse Sports Insider today. Get priority on this podcast, direct access to me, and all the fun stuff we've been doing. As many of you have been asking, and I have told some of our insiders privately, Emily, I have felt that Elijah Robinson's been the guy. Uh, but you wrote this up tonight. We looked into it. It, it appears he is the guy. I had a source tell me this morning, Elijah Robinson's the guy. We had uh, people close to Texas A&M who cover them who are saying it's him. It, it appears to be lining up Elijah Robinson, who apparently Mike Elko, the new Texas A&M coach, made a strong bid to keep, but it appears he failed to do so. Yeah, he was going to keep him. It, it sounds like he was going to keep him, but not, um, but still in like a position coach role, so probably still defensive line. So while it's unclear what his pay will be like up here at Syracuse. He is getting a title boost by becoming defensive coordinator. Uh, he has not been a, a defensive coordinator before. Obviously he's interim head coach at Texas A&M right now. He was made interim when uh, Jimbo Fisher was fired a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah, this has been a rumor for several days. Like I said, when I finally kind of retweeted the, the news coming out of Texas A&M, like I try to not comment on that until we have something pretty official. Um, this this seems like it. But, you know, it seems like a natural fit. He's also a, a native of Camden, New Jersey, just like Brown. They work together at Temple and Baylor. They've known each other. He's another top recruiter, which is clearly something Syracuse is targeting uh, with this new staff, uh, whether – that be another nudge from wild hack saying go get more good recruiters or if that's just brown's inclination as a good recruiter himself but certainly things to be excited for we had heard 
de pretty definitively that it was going to be someone from the SEC um, when I talked to a couple of the class of 2024 commits on on Friday. They had been told that on call, though they hadn't been given names. Um, so that certainly kind of inched us in this direction. But there had still been like a couple other names out there. I think there was some speculation, oh, is one of the Georgia co-defensive coordinators. They have co-defensive coordinators down there right now. It's one of them going. Could it be someone else from the SEC? But it's looking like Elijah Robinson's the guy. And, and certainly we are seemingly headed barreling towards a very New Jersey staff uh, up here yes. at Syracuse. And it's interesting because the three players that decommitted it towards the end of last week, including twin brothers that were committed to Syracuse, all New Jersey guys, right? So it appears – from what you reported, Emily, and did a great job with that. And you would expect this. Fran had a call, Zoom call, Thursday night with, I don't believe it was with all the commitments, but it was with a lot of the commitments. The, the class of 2024 who are set to sign on the dotted line coming up here in 17 days was pretty upfront with those guys and told them where they stood with Syracuse, where they stood with him. And from, we're certainly expecting transition. Leon Lowry, by the way, has committed to Wisconsin already. Uh, the guy that entered the portal after Dino Babers was fired and appears to have his new destination. Tomorrow's going to be a flurry of activity with the portal opening. Guys are lining up things already. It's not like it opens, then they look. A lot of them kind of know where they're going, so stay tuned for that. And, of course, we'll report any any Syracuse goings on there. So that's the defensive coordinator position, Emily. Offensive coordinator in that same call that you reported on, Fran Brown intimated that the OC is going to be someone in the National Football League. And the name that I have settled on here, and I, I'm not reporting this, guys. This is, let's just say Brent believes it to be this guy. It's not official. I'm not reporting this. But I think it's lining up to be Jeff Nixon with the New York Giants. He has spent the last 14 seasons in the National Football League. It was his first year as the Giants running back coach. He has a 26-year uh, coaching career total. He had been on the Carolina Panthers staff before. He does have connections in the past with Fran Brown. Uh, you can read through his resume. He uh, joined the Panthers after spending the previous three seasons as Baylor's co-offensive coordinator and play caller. Spent some time at Baylor, spent some time with the Niners, with the Miami Dolphins, spent some time with Temple, right? He was a player at West Virginia, running back in 1993, also played at Penn State. So you can kind of go through his resume a little bit here. And that was the... Always sunny in Philadelphia meme. We were drawing the red lines, right? Who were his guys? Who is he coached with? Who made sense to come in? He gave us the hint in that Zoom call. So Robinson's in, and I would not be surprised that uh, Jeff Nixon would be named the offensive coordinator. But again, I want to stress, I'm not reporting that. That's just, if I if I was putting money on it today, that's, that's the guy I'd bet on. Right. And I, I think it's important to note that with like an NFL guy, it new like official news of that might not come out until close to the end of the season. Obviously, with the Giants, you're not going to have to worry about um, a playoff run. They're not anywhere close to that this year, um, even with Tommy DeVito's strong play the past couple of weeks. But um, it, it would not surprise me if the OC position kind of just lingers until um, more towards the end of December, early January, once the NFL season has wrapped up. Because even if it is announced, he's not going to be able to come out here until the season's over. It doesn't work like that in the NFL like it does um, with with college. So, Which begs the question with Jason Beck. I think a lot of SU fans would like to see him stay on in some capacity. He's very popular among the fan base. His wife is very popular among the fan base. She's out there on social media a lot. And we see pictures of the kids and she's just 
from the beginning been all in on this and has really embraced the community and they're a great family and still a coach on the rise. He's only 43 years old. He got the offensive coordinator gig. Would he take the air quotes demotion to only be a quarterback's coach or have some kind of role along with who the OC would be with coach Campanelli? And we're still not sure what role he would be, if any, if he stays on the staff, as it appears he's going to post his interim gig here. You know, Emily, I'd like to see it, but I'd certainly understand if you know, Coach Brown's going to bring in his guys. And look, Jason Beck would not be on the market very long if Coach Brown does make that change because that's a coach in demand and he's got a lot of connections out there. He would uh, certainly, I think, have another job lined up pretty quick if he doesn't come back here. Right. I, I think there is a higher likelihood by nature of Brown being a first-time head coach that something like that happens where that gets to stay on his quarterback coach just because he doesn't have as rooted ties to, okay, these are my guys, this is my staff. Like he's kind of, he's building out his first staff right now. And yes, it seems like he's heavily leaning towards guys that he's worked with before and and people he knows. But um, I don't think, I, I, I think there is a higher likelihood. I'm not saying it's going to happen or that I know any info on it, but just like there's probably a higher likelihood of, of Beck possibly being retained in a situation like this than if SU had brought in someone um, as head coach with a little bit more of a track record. I mean, certainly is going from OC back down to quarterback, quarterback's coach, technically a demotion. Yes, we don't know how much the difference he was getting in like pay was and I think there is a a lot of other considerations for someone who has a young family like you mentioned they all they have kids that are all under high school age right now um you hear coaches talk all the time about how tough it is to move your kids around to different schools and stuff so certainly I feel like it's it's on the table I'm sure these are things that are being talked about tonight while Brown since Brown is in town uh we know he met with the team earlier with the players um, and then obviously went out and did some recruiting, it seemed, in the Dome with high school championships going on. I, I am sure the next thing on his docket was speaking with the current assistant staff, even if it is just to kind of organize what the the game plan is for the next month and what the bowl game plan is, but also to see if there's any of those guys that um, Beck or otherwise he would be interested in keeping around. Another thing to note, Emily, uh, Buff Zone reported this today through multiple sources, that Colorado edge coach Nick Williams is leaving the program. They report that he is coming to Syracuse to join the staff here. He's 33 years old. He is one of the primary recruiters for King Joseph Edwards. He's from Georgia, Mill Creek, four-star edge, who did not make his official visit to Colorado this weekend with Williams moving on. Joseph put King Joseph Edwards, his full name, put Syracuse in his top three. He's announcing December 19th, which is the day before signing day, and specifically said that he put Syracuse in his top three, along with Colorado and Georgia, because of Fran Brown. And so Florida State. And Florida, Florida State. the third school. There you go. I'm sorry. I, I mixed that up a little bit. But we're already seeing the Fran Brown effect there. Just to get your name in there with a big-time recruit like that, and that's that's where it's got to start. You've got to get in those final threes. Like we've seen that with basketball in recent years. Syracuse has been in the final three or four for some of these big names, and they move on. But they've had some recruiting wins in recent years as well. Basketball is a little more centered because, you know, let's face it, you have two or three five-star recruits. Like, that's a huge class. Football, you've got to add up those numbers 
we're already seeing the Fran Brown effect there. Steve Wiltfong, who is a recruiting reporter for 247, uh, noted what I mentioned there, that he didn't make his visit to Colorado this weekend, and it's believed that Nick Williams could be coming here to Syracuse. There's also reports that uh, one of the lead uh, trainers at Colorado could be coming to Syracuse. Again, these are all reports out there. We have not verified this yet. So this is going to come fast and furious, folks. That staff's going to fill out. You're going to hear things like this. And Emily, if Fran Brown does commit to kind of going all in here and not going back to Georgia to coach them in their bowl game, you got 17 days to flip recruits, to get Syracuse on the radar, to, and that's a lot of time. We have seen, we've unfortunately seen it with Lenore Sellers last year, right at the last minute, flips to South Carolina. Like this goes down to the last minute. And now that there's a buzz and an energy about a guy, not only in Fran Brown, but Elijah Robinson, who's a noted recruiter as well. That's a lot of time. That's just over two weeks to get at least Syracuse on the radar of some of these players that maybe they weren't before. Very much so. I mean, yeah, like you said, Lenora Sellers was the prime example of that last year. Um, it, it just it, nothing is certain until that that pen is on that paper and, and that gets signed. And so we will be waiting for that day. Obviously, it's going to be a little interesting um, because that will be the day before the bowl game now signing day is. So um, we'll see if I'm covering that, if some, someone else covers that for us at Syracuse.com. But um, you'll be on the beach. Yeah, I come know, on. I hope I'm on the beach. Not <laughs> I don't not blame you for that. Signing day coverage. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I think something interesting to consider with with the, the guys that Brown has recruited, um, which I, I have a list of and, and I'm hoping to maybe do something with in the next couple of weeks before signing day happens. Um, but the thing is, like, they are going to have a higher likelihood of playing in year – one year two at Syracuse as it currently stands and, and with its current roster makeup than they are at a place like Georgia or Florida state or any of that. So I think that's like certainly an interesting thing to, to think about, especially considering we heard him on um, the podcast that's been circling from earlier this year. He talked about really extensively laying out plans with players of like, okay, this is when we're going to get you on the field. Like we're going to keep you on this track. And so some of these guys that are like five-star guys that he's been recruiting and has probably from what he said on that podcast been telling like, okay, it's year three that you're going to get on the field and going to start becoming a playmaker and making this stuff happen. Like that bumps back probably to year two. I mean, just mm -hmm. based on precedent we've seen with Syracuse too. Like there has been a lot of guys at Syracuse over the past few years who it's, it's been their second year that they've really excelled. I mean, it's LaQuinn Allen this year. It's, Valari, it's not technically his second year, but it's his second year with Syracuse, and here he is excelling, and he's taking on a bigger role. So that timeline for those high-caliber recruits of actually getting on the field gets expedited at a school like Syracuse versus uh, Georgia. So if they're interested in getting on the field fast and they like Coach Brown, why would you not follow him here? Emily, a couple more things before we go here. We have not talked about this, so I don't know Emily's opinion. College football playoff today. Alabama, Michigan, Washington, Texas. Those are your matchups. Florida State went 13-0. Florida State lost a player. They didn't lose a game. Yet they were kept out of the college football playoff. That's a travesty. That is a farce. That is many other words I can look up in the dictionary here. Well, the committee and a lot of people on Twitter were wasting their time coming up with scenarios about 
if this team played, this would be the situation. What they need to base it on is what actually happened on the darn field. And what happened is Florida State went 13-0. and They are a Power 5 conference, Power 4 now, that went 13-0. and And it is a credit to them that they went 13-0 and without Jordan Travis. I get one of those wins was North Alabama. But they also played in an ACC championship game. It wasn't pretty. I get it. It wasn't fun. But people are talking about what the passing numbers were. You know what else happened in that game? I'll tell you what happened in that game. Seven sacks, 14 tackles for loss, 10 passes defended, 189 rushing yards against what was a stack box because they knew they had no quarterback play. And a 10-point win over a top 15 team, by the way, with a quarterback making his first start. How do you not get credit for that? This is insanity. And we know why it's happening. We know why it's happening because it's a television show. And I get it's a television show. And ESPN would be freaking out if there was not an SEC team in there between Alabama and Georgia, right? This this was a joke, and I know it gives us something to talk about, and you kind of have to love college football for all its flaws too, but I am so glad that this discussion is going to die down in the coming years when that the playoff gets expanded. What we should be arguing about today is matchups and seeds and not whether a team that went freaking undefeated in the ACC and beat two SEC teams in doing it got left out of the playoff that's a joke. And I'm sorry, you can't ban me on that one. Emily, yeah, your it, thoughts. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's just not a great look. And it, it is made worse when you see a tweet from Jordan Travis apologizing and being uh, like, I wish my leg broke sooner. Uh, you have a 23 year old saying you wish he's like, he saying he wishes he suffered a season ending injury earlier in the season to prove to like this group of old white men, sorry, it's true <laughs> that he like his team is more than just him. It's it's the defensive stats you pointed out. It's the fact they were playing with a third string true freshman quarterback who had not played significant time this season. Their second string guy is expected to be back. Like he just has a concussion. He warmed up, I believe, yesterday. Um, I was obviously flipping channels a little bit trying to watch two games at once, but. Um, it, yeah, just, it just the justification. And you know what? I, I, it is in their, like, not their rules, but like their list of things they consider. Like if there is a major player that gets injured, like they consider that, but also like, again, like even without that major player, Florida States won three games now, one of which was against a top 15 team and a really great offense in Louisville. And it's just, it's just really tough to see. And you know what? Like, it is a a major feat to make Florida State look sympathetic in the, this climate really of is. college football, considering everything else that has gone on this year. But a whole lot of the internet, at least, is very sympathetic to them at this moment. And I, I can understand why. Uh, my, my, so I'm an AP voter, and my final ballot this morning, uh, one through one through six was Michigan, Washington, Florida State, all of whom are 13-0 and and won their conference titles, Texas, Alabama, Georgia. Because Texas beat Texas beat Alabama head-to-head at Alabama. Yes, it was way early in the season. But, like, especially when you get this late in the year and you're just kind of, like, assessing 
based on like kind of just like looking at these teams who don't usually play each other and being like, well, I think this is better. You have to take the head to head and just be like, okay, we have a data point on this because there are so few concrete data points when you're comparing a team that plays on the West Coast and doesn't see any of the same opponents as the other one down at the opposite end of the country. Well said. And I put up the statement while you were talking there, Emily, from ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips, who you can imagine was not happy. Uh, I have a statement here from Mike Norvell as well, and he went scorched earth, as he should have, and I applaud him for doing it. I can see it on your screen if you're watching us, but for those of you just listening, quote, I am disgusted and infuriated with the committee's decision today to have what was earned on the field taken away because a small group of people decided they knew better than the results of the games. What is the point of playing games? Do you tell players it's okay to quit if someone goes down? Do you not play a senior on senior day for fear of injury? Where's the motivation to schedule challenging non-conference games? We're not only an undefeated P5 conference champion, we also played two P5 non-conference games away from home and won both of them. I don't understand how we're supposed to think this is an acceptable way to evaluate a team. I mean, that's poetry right there. He is dead right about that. That is inarguable, yet people in a room made this decision. And I, I just, Emily, we're, we're, the problems we had with the voter poll, when it was just the voters, let it be decided on the field. The vote, the problem we had with the BCS, let it be decided on the field. We have been reassured a number of times by whoever sits in that hot seat as the committee chair that this would be decided on the field. And all they did today was prove that that's a load of crap. It's not decided on the field. It, it's decided by a whole bunch of things that should not be talked about. This should have been easy. This should have been an easy four to put out there. All they proved was that, you know, look, the first letter in ESPN stands for entertainment. And I don't want to just pick on ESPN because eventually this is going to be dispersed elsewhere like the NFL playoffs are. A bunch of networks are going to get this in the next TV deal. But just admit that that's what you're doing here, that you're appeasing your broadcast partners, you're making a television show, and you're not putting the teams in the playoff that deserve it because of what they did on the field. This, I mean, it's it's great for controversy, it's great for ratings, it's great for all this stuff, and they love it. They love that they do this little TV show every week and everybody talks about it, right? Well, you got what you wish for. Meanwhile, you, you have egg on your face. Your credibility, which was already a, a little bit, let's say getting thin by the day, considering what things are happening in college football and with name, image, and likeness of the transfer portal, a number of things going on there. It keeps us busy and it keeps us, it keeps things interesting. I'm not going to lie. But as soon as I saw it last night, Emily, that people were making the case, myself being one of them, that this is simple. Florida State earned this on the field. I'm like, they're going to screw this up. They're going to overthink this. They were going to overtalk this. They're going to go with what creates the most buzz and that's what they did today. And they should be ashamed of themselves. It's a joke. Yeah, it, it, it's just really, really bad. And like, yes, like, oh, like you can make the argument like someone was going to be angry no matter what. But like, this is like actually just wrong. I think a lot of people agree. It's not just like, oh, we're upsetting a fan base. Like this like goes against precedent that had been set um, in regards to who makes this thing. And, and yeah, it's just... Some, it's a messy situation and like again like yes they don't have their starting QB so that 
they got Jared Verse, they have Keon Coleman, they have Johnny Wilson, they have all these Ex- other guys. Exactly. Everyone keeps on being. What like, about them? Why are we putting yeah. this all on the quarterback? I got a comment from Joe on the screen. Joe, I'm sorry, I don't agree with this. Florida State shouldn't be there without their starting quarterback. What about the other players? That many of which are going to play in the National Football League. You will have a month to get ready for that perspective matchup with either your backup or your third-string quarterback, who's a backup and a third-string quarterback at Florida State, yeah. who's probably pretty good, yeah. okay? Th- that's crap. I don't agree with that. I'm sorry. We're admitting the quarterback's out, so we're going to assume that they're not as good. You can't do that. You have to decide it on the field. They earned it in those other games. They did everything they were asked of doing. And I like Josh's comment here. who says, imagine if the roles were reversed. Bama or Georgia went undefeated and their star went out. Would the committee keep them out? Uh, I can't even talk. I'm so frustrated. Would the committee keep them out? I think we know well, the answer to that question. And there's a little bit of a test case with this, right? Because, and I was a little too young, so correct me if I'm wrong, but 2014, Ohio State had a backup quarterback and played in the in the playoff, I believe. Does that ring a bell for I th- you? Ben? I think you're right I've about see- that. I've been seeing it on I've been seeing yeah. it on X, X, formerly known as Twitter today. By the way, <laughs> you know what my favorite one was too? Well, if you put these two teams on the matchup, who would who would be favored? Who cares? Yeah. Who you know who was favored There's yesterday? A team favored. <laughs> Let me give you a team that's favored yesterday. Georgia. Yeah. They were favored. Okay, that what that does not matter. That was the worst. And I saw some really smart people saying that on Twitter that I really had to resist quote tweeting. Well, if you put these two teams on the field again, if this team against Florida State, they'd be favored by X. Does not matter. Don't care. Okay, that's for entertainment purposes only, as we like to say. That's not what should be deciding who is in the playoff. I don't care the Florida State lost their quarterback. Emily, you made one of the best points of the evening. They have a lot of other players that are pretty damn good and deserve to be there. So there you have it. I could rant about this all night, but uh, it will, I hope, soon be resolved. But you know what, Emily? They'll find a way to screw that up, too, when it's a expanded playoff. They will find a way because that's Somehow. why they sit in rooms and figure these things out, right? Yeah, it is. It, I will always remind everyone, this is a game. These are 18 to 24 year olds, not, not the people making the decisions, but the people right. on the field. Yeah. So just remember that, just remember that. And that goes for college playoff contention. That goes for bowl games. That goes for recruits making decisions over the next three weeks. That goes for guys in the transfer portal, making decisions. Just remember, especially if you are above the age of 25. <laughs> Let's end on a happy note. Shall we? I'll put it back on the screen. We're going to Boca, baby. Syracuse, South Florida, Boca Raton Bowl. That is uh, Thursday, December 21st. It's an 8 p.m. kickoff. We have so much to cover for you going forward, ladies and gentlemen. So depending on when you're listening or watching to this, if you're not checking it out live, the Fran Brown Press Conference is at 10 a.m. on Monday. We will have full coverage on Syracuse.com all day. Our Syracuse Sports Insiders, you're going to be hearing a lot from me tomorrow. Your phone's going to be buzzing. I'd imagine Emily and I are going to regroup on Monday at the end of the day, see how things went. Favorite moments from the press conference. Was there any activity in the portal related to Syracuse? Do we know more coaches, right? We're going to hop on here and do these as needed as a busy time continues here for Syracuse football as the Fran Brown era is underway. He is in Syracuse. There's a great video of that that our friend Scott Schild 
film that you can check out on Syracuse.com of his arrival at about one o'clock this afternoon via private plane and so much more to come friends. But in the meantime, you enjoy the rest of your Sunday night. Emily, thank you for joining us. Thanks for all your hard work and, and great reporting through all this. We will join you next time here on Syracuse Sports, my friends, presented by Krause Health, the exclusive health care provider for SU Athletics. For Emily Liker, Brent Dax, we'll talk to you next time, guys.